welcome everyone uh, to the Imago Day, where we offer up theological and philosophical reflections for today's world. Um, this is Joe, and I'm here with my boy Lewis. Hello, what's going on? Uh, and we're going to have a conversation today about games and how yes. that fits into the gospel and to church and all of that beautiful stuff there. So, Lewis, what's up with your what's up with your fascination with games and yes. how does this connect for you? with uh, discipleship, with church engagement, with the gospel, and to start off with games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so recently I passed a milestone on a project that I was working on with my friend DJ. Um, we built a game manual for a retreat that the student ministry at New Life Fellowship is having actually um, tomorrow, if <laughs> they leave tomorrow uh, as of this recording. And we basically we made a game for all of the students going to this retreat and i mean what what motivated me to do this game was really more of like this personal fascination that i've always had with games since i was really little hmm. um just like a love of games but then as as i was finalizing these designs i realized that there's potential impact that a game could have a very positive impact on the players um and i really think that it could further um, the gospel, like it can preach the gospel in a way that is unique and something that only games can do. It's pretty cool, man. I mean, besides being just a young guy, young boy, when you know, uh, and being attracted to to, to games uh, mm -hmm. in your youth, was there anything in particular about uh, games uh, that drew you? Was it um, the I don't know the graphics? Let's say if it was a, an electronic game, or mm -hmm. was it the thinking behind it? What drew you to games? Um, honestly, it was a necessity <laughs> growing up. Um, I had two older sisters and this was the nineties and we didn't have, we didn't really have a, a gaming system or things to entertain us. So we had to kind of create our own games growing up. I see. And so we made it a super simple game was called make me laugh where one of us was in like, we were in the hot seat and then the other two had to come up with uh, some way to make the person laugh and then you just then you were in the hot seat it, like trust me like my dad worked nights so we had to be quiet too like he was sleeping in the mm. daytime we were home so we had to come up with all these different games just to entertain ourselves um so it started as a necessity and then i i just kind of really became fascinated with computers and then computer games and yeah, just yeah. the unique experiences i think that's that's what that's the key there for games because to me, a game is is a, t a form of media, um, much like a book or a movie, but then it has this added component of the player's input, the player's choices um, to the media, and that creates this unique experience. Um, because you and I can play the same exact game. We could both play a game of Monopoly, for example, mm -hmm. right? Right. But your experience of the game and my experience of the game are going to be totally different um, if we play them separately. Um, even or even if we play them together, like I, I think our experiences will still be uh, will still be unique. So um, that's yeah, true. So, that's yeah, true. It, it's it's really about that memorable experience, and I think that uniqueness um, can create an opportunity to for someone to uh, gain an understanding about the world around them. And it's, so, what's up with crazy. this? Yeah. And so, what's up with this game that you created uh, yeah. for the retreat? That's <laughs> that's gonna happen, and and and. How is it going to somehow facilitate a conversation mm -hmm. around the gospel and, and mm -hmm. things like that? Absolutely. So <clears throat> this game is tentatively titled Project Prism. Um, and I'll, I'll 
I'll jump into the why it's called Prism and all that. But that, that sounds it's, deep. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It sounds really deep. Um, so there sounds like the sort. A, it sounds like the sort of game that a math professor would give. Like, hey guys, we're gonna do math project Prism. Yay! <laughs> so this game started. Um, there is this popular game. I don't know if you've heard of it called Humans vs. Zombies. Hmm. It's uh, it's very popular in colleges and, and campuses. It was designed in 2005. Um, and basically in that game, there is a group of players. They're known as the humans. And then they're, one of those players is secretly a, quote, zombie. Hmm. And and the goal is for the zombie to tag the humans. If, if uh, a zombie tags a human that human player turns into a zombie. So it, what happens is two teams start to form, and then the end game of that game is whomever is left is the winner. You know, if the zombies tag all the humans, the zombies win, or if the humans survive a set period of time, all that stuff. Um, the way that the humans defend themselves is with uh, nerf blasters or even socks. <laughs> like They just throw socks at each other to <laughs> like stun that. the zombies and to stop them temporarily. So this, mm. was, this was a game that um, DJ and I, we grew up, like this game came out 2005 and really blew up around that time. And we were mm. fascinated by it. Um, and so we took that idea and took it a step further. So what we did, um, we took the human players and we decided to arbitrarily divide them up even further. We'll take mm. a community and divide them up into five teams. Um, so in our game, the humans, let's say it's a hundred players. They're divided up into five teams of 20. And we created ways for these five teams to work cooperatively or competitively um, in dealing with this threat of a zombie. Um, now, because this is a, a, a church community, you know, we wanted to keep parents happy. So we don't use the word zombie. We use the term infected, but it's essentially <laughs> the same thing. It's like you're right. it, you know, right. it's still a game of tag. But um, but yeah, like now there's there's more restraints placed on the humans. And so what I'm hoping, and we've played a prototype maybe two years ago, and we were really surprised by the results of that. Really? But, um, well, yeah. what, what, was, what, what surprised you? What, what came out of that experience? What really surprised me is the way that the players embraced some of the roles. Mm -hmm. so, um, so another interesting thing about our game is that um, not every human player has to run around outside at this retreat center mm -hmm. um, that will be playing this game. A portion of the players get to play the game inside and they get to affect the game inside. So um, what happened in when we played a prototype of this game is that some players really embraced like the role playing behind the game and, mm. and some players emerged as like these charismatic leaders of their team and like just, and, or, um, we're able mm. to convince other teams like to just listen to them and 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 some players uh, a lot of the young players too uh there were some middle school players that were just doing very christ-like things <laughs> like they were self-sacrificing <laughs> like for the good of their team and, wow. and it was just like really amazing to see the the player choices which again as a game designer i could not craft those experiences all i all i could do was just create a platform for these players i and can tell right right and see what emerges out of that mm -hmm. context i mean it's amazing how games create this space for people mm -hmm. to explore different facets of mm -hmm. their maybe even their identity different roles mm -hmm. um perhaps even unbeknownst to them you know like how and, and how these 
uh, role these these roles that come out um, mm-hmm. uh, as a dynamic with those others who are playing, and mm-hmm. and it, it comes to mind to, uh, for me. What comes to mind is this: the idea of politics as really power dynamics that emerge with mm-hmm. three or more people in the context yes. of, of 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 some sort of community, mm-hmm. and um, games being this, as you put it, medium to to mm-hmm. to observe this, to participate, to engage. And just really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. There's um there's some components in the indoor portion of the game is known as the safe house. Mm. And um it's it's all about it's all politics in the safe house essentially, because there's one portion of the safe house that's all about research and development where players, they have to solve a complex puzzle that requires coordination with their team in order to get access to the better nerf blasters to better defend themselves and um, from the infected. And there's mm-hmm. also another portion of the game where all the leaders of the team, uh, aka the presidents, they have to essentially, it's like it's like a mock UN for, for um, these players. And the outcome of that game is they just, they determine, um, a way to change the game so there it's all it's all politics and honestly it's based off of to me i I was trying to create a microcosm of Mm. the world today Mm. you know of of letting players have the opportunity to influence the world around them like the world of the game and also just even imagine imagine you're running around outside right you're trying to survive <laughs> like from right. from all these people chasing you and then you come back to find out that like the leader that you elected <laughs> like they made a poor decision that's going uh, to negatively affect you as a as a player yeah um, yeah i wanted players to feel that as well so everything you said yeah like that's exactly what we're going for in the game all sorts of repercussions and it's that, that's i mean now everybody in the game they all know the rules are there referees that mm-hmm. that help facilitate these rules uh yeah so um it's this is known as a mega game because it's such there's such a large player base there's there's 120 uh people going to this retreat which is like praise god for that that's crazy mm-hmm. that's probably the largest amount um that i know of of a new life student retreat so there's a lot of um, there's parents and leaders who are going to be there as well. And, and in the manual, we fleshed out uh, what we call uh, non-player roles. So there's going to be referees out like outside who are going to make sure that people don't get crazy <laughs> when it comes to like tagging and, you know, <laughs> tackling. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, chill out. <laughs> yeah. No <laughs> suplexing. And then there, there's also um, leaders inside who help facilitate the games that are happening indoors as well. Wow. So, um, yeah, we really fleshed that out. So there, there needs to be some guardrails <laughs> to this game. And would it be interesting um, to see like over the course of this. So how long is this game? Like how how long does it go for? Yeah, so it technically runs for five hours. It's in oh, five wow. parts. Okay. Yeah, it's in five parts. Each part lasting one hour, and we worked with um, the youth pastor into like fitting it into the schedule. So it's it's very much a part of the retreat. So in addition to everything mm-hmm. else that you would expect at a at a ministry mm-hmm. retreat, mm-hmm. then there's a time for like, hey, we're gonna play this game for an hour. So it's integrated into the program. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, yeah, what I was going to say is just it would be interesting to sort of take a bird's eye view and see mm-hmm. um, what what manifests over the period of, of, of five hours to see, mm-hmm. for, you know, looking at, okay, who has more of a Machiavellian spirit? 
Yes. <laughs> uh, self-preservation by any means mm-hmm. necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, those who maybe, you know, uh, you know, presuppose a sort of pessimistic view on human nature, like uh, Thomas Hobbes, of uh, mm-hmm. father of political thought, modern political thought. Yeah. Uh, and his idea of the state <laughs> of nature. It's like, listen, man, every man for him or herself, even mm-hmm. though I'm part of the team, I may have mm-hmm. to sell out my team so I can somehow further. And, <laughs> and in a John Lockean perspective of a more egalitarian, giving people mm-hmm. rights and freedom. It just see, interesting the the sort of the the various philosophical streams that would come out by by means of examining the yes. behavior among the people and, yes. and even the relationship between as you said the the leaders or the presidents mm-hmm. those who are making the executive decisions in in mm-hmm. this game and mm-hmm. and those who are let's say doing the groundwork quote unquote mm-hmm. um just that that's really cool yeah what it's um what's funny is that there's also this play off of separation and unity by by creating that safe house component yeah i realize that there's also um a commentary on class because it's mm-hmm. even if like when the teams naturally shrink like when more players become infected and the teams get smaller a smaller percentage of the players are allowed in the safe house it's only 25 percent of the players mm-hmm. so let's say there's only you know there's only eight people left on my team then um you know you do the math it's yeah. too early. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you, know, you have a certain amount of players uh, in yeah. the safe house. But um, man, what else was I going to say? There, there's, hmm. You made a really good point. Oh, um, because like this game hasn't happened yet, um, I'm trying to put into place like a way to capture that data that you're talking about. Like hmm. the key choices that players are making. I'm really looking forward to getting that data and seeing what players do because are you, are um, you going to the retreat no i'm not going. okay I'm so not you're gonna rely going. on dj and others to to get yeah. this data for you yeah essentially like I, I listed like the important choices that i want captured um mm. during the game and and hopefully um that'll be accommodated but um as far as like the way that players can play this game um thinking about it like as someone who designed this game i realized mm. like you could you can play this game fully cooperatively. Like you can play this game with the full cooperation of all the other uh, teams mm-hmm. on the human side. And right. that probably is your your strongest bet like of survival and winning the game at the end of the day. But the way that this game is designed, it's almost like a constant temptation to the player to like, yo, like you should look look out for yourself in this situation. Mm-hmm. It's a constant, right. constant temptation that we're giving the players. And uh, based off the initial impression, um, because this game had to be pitched to like some members of the ministry and like mm-hmm. just to create an understanding, it seems like a lot of players are going to automatically go towards the more competitive route. Which I find very, very interesting because the division is totally arbitrary. Like there's no, the way that the teams are divided, it's completely random and there's really no reason for the human side to be divided. But just because it is divided, players automatically just, I don't know, like it's just like they adopt that mindset, um, in my experience at least, with the prototype. Wow. And so in this sense, it is a microcosm. It's a, mm-hmm. like sort of a, a, a smaller scale version of what takes what, what takes place in a larger context. Mm-hmm. And and so is that part of that bridge there, part of what you are hoping to see fleshed out in the context of the teaching mm-hmm. uh, in in the retreat? How how, in other words, is this related to 
uh, discipleship formation mm-hmm. in Christ, given that this is happening in a ministry retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are those connections that you're looking to see uh, bridged there? Yes. Um, so my hope is to is that this game implicitly points to the gospel because I also know that at the retreat, the gospel is going to explicitly be preached. Mm. And the what I mean by implicit, um, the themes of community, of separation, of division. I'm hoping that that platform uh, allows the player to confront and think about the world around them, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. like the real world. So, in the context of the game, you know, the player is going to be interacting with people that I think they probably do not normally interact with, especially since the teams are random. There's probably going to be people that they don't know. Um, and so they have this, they have this option of, Hey, do I work with this person to deal with this growing threat that's happening in this game? Um, and I really think that's like an important life lesson. And I really think it's also, um, that also points to the gospel as well too. Um, especially, um, some of the like president's decisions, they're very self-sacrificial. Like you mm. do not get any benefit to yourself, but other people will benefit. So I'm curious to see like, will a player willingly ruin their chances of winning a game for the sake of, of another player? Um, wow. And, and, and will there be space to sort of process once the game is over people's experience within, within the retreat? Yes. Um, and say, hey, you know, yeah, this is what happened. Uh, this is how how I approached it. This is mm-hmm. how I felt when I uh, took more of a communal route rather than the individualistic route or when this mm-hmm. this person backstabbed me or I thought he or she was going <laughs> to step up to the plate and yeah. kind of save me and I just got left. And will <laughs> there be space to talk about that in, in the retreat? That, I wonder. that to me would be the the fruit of the labor is is that public yeah. and private conversation i i know that mm. there might be some insight that some players might be uh you know they may not be willing to share publicly um so i want to create space for players to share publicly those experiences and to um yeah to just like process out loud with each other like what the game was like um and hopefully point back to some of what we just talked about and even privately to help us um c- kind of refine the game and I don't know. I think I think I could see it being a benefit for other communities as well. Um, this idea of yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, well, I mean, what I really love about this idea of the game, and I mean games in general, but 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 particularly this game uh, within the retreat is the participatory context of it. Mm-hmm. That 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 mm-hmm. folks are they're they're they are existentially involved, um, mm-hmm. and and so it is bringing to the table. A certain nuance, as you put it, um, uh, it's 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 um, um, uh, not explicit but implicit in mm-hmm. in the in in a sort of gospel reckoning, mm-hmm. so that there is room for participation. And I love the way that it is. It's it's multi layered, so that mm-hmm. there are those. So there seems to be, for instance, um, a, a part for every body right mm-hmm. whether you're a quote-unquote introvert extrovert you're you're high aggressive leader you're more of a laid-back follower kind of person mm-hmm. there seems to be space 
for you to engage in the game, regardless of what gift mix or personality traits you're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And then in that context, you're having that lived experience, but of course, all within a safe space, it's a game, right? It's not, mm -hmm. but, but that, but that there's room after for reflection and hopefully the reflection will connect those experiences that took place in the microcosm for the mm -hmm. sake of the macrocosm that is lived reality. And so mm -hmm. one could even see that uh, kind of theologically that, you know, life is a game in one sense, in the sense that God, who is providential, who controls all the circumstances, as it were, um, is is bringing about certain conditions uh, that are established by the game owner, that is God, uh, for the for the uh, facilitation of our own growth and development in Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. So that mm -hmm. the way we learn patience if we could call it as a virtue, right? Like mm -hmm. many of us do, is is by being caught up in situations where patience has to grow. So now I have to spend hours in the DMV or I have to raise a one or two year old, <laughs> right? And so, yeah. right, these, these, as it were, providential um, uh, boundary conditions mm -hmm. squeeze mm -hmm. out of me uh, the fruit as it were, that, yeah. that reflects so beautifully God's character, right? So now I grow in love, I grow in peace. Now, of course, that could be the other way around, right? Given given yeah. how I respond to those conditions, I can I can go the opposite way. Yeah. Um, and so it's a matter of whether or not one is opened to the higher versus the lower, whether or not one is open to the spirit rather than the flesh, as the Bible would put it. Yeah. And to see that played out in this microcosmic element, in this game dynamic, is, is interesting. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate that. I When I was younger, I, I had this thought that the average lifespan, right, say mm -hmm. 80, 85 years, whatever, is, is such a small amount of time compared to like the infinite. Mm -hmm. And so I it's not that I've, I viewed life as like whether you can call it a test or a game, but I, I saw the comparison of, of time and mm -hmm. that helped me kind of create this perspective that, that you were describing of you know there's the boundaries and yeah. rules and the metaphysics of the world we live in yes yes and with, it's within those boundaries that kind of that prod us and help teach us and shape us into the people that god um calls us to be are, are, are the rules uh within the game sort of hard fast rules that are just they don't change or or can things are the rules malleable in one form or another um, there, there are certain rules that are not malleable for the mm -hmm. sake of safety, um, sure. and just like mutual understanding. And then there are other rules, like, for example, there's a, like a gun store. We have an economy in our game <laughs> where like every, every nerf blaster, every piece of equipment has to be bought with money that the players either find or, or earn. So though for in the gun store, it's run by two non-player roles and uh -huh. after each round, the, the those um, uh, non-players they can change the gun prices as they see fit. Um, wow! It's kind of like a almost like a stock market type of situation. So in that case, you can argue like the rules there they kind of change, like they're I malleable. See. But mm. um, any any type of safety rule, like um, at the retreat center that we're playing at, the whomever the property manager is they technically have like the final say on this game because we're we're stressing safety yeah. so if they if they implement a rule like that's we can't change that um 
So it's, it's, we tried to have a little bit of both, um, because actually two years ago, what something happened two years ago where someone got made, tackled, <laughs> <laughs> the clothesline probably <laughs> lost a no, tooth. Thank, yeah. Thankfully the, uh, the students, uh, they've been very gracious. There has been no tackling or dive mm. bombing or anything crazy like that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but two years ago, I remember when we did like a, a prototype of this game, there was a rule change that we made. Um, that it actually like, it was a, I was happy that we had the space to make changes to the rules, like little tiny touches. Um, I think, oh, actually what happened was, uh, there were, there were stolen guns. <laughs> there were, oh my yeah, goodness. some players went into like the room of another player and like took their guns. So we had to figure out, okay, what are, what are the consequences of that? Because we don't, we don't want to support that type of like come on, you can't just steal people's stuff. So we, we had to, on the fly, come up with a rule that, you know, administered some form of justice <laughs> to the players that had their guns stolen. All this stuff. Well, people bringing their own Nerf, nerf uh, guns. Yeah, to the... that, that happens too. But we, we banned that. <laughs> well, we just assimilated into the gun store. Like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for supporting. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, um, it's funny because... Um, a lot of a lot of students remember the game last time. Um, mm -hmm. They have an understanding of what the game will be like um, this time. So there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype for the game, and that I'm so nervous to see. Like in practice, all like all these ideas and theories that we've developed. Like how does how is it actually going to play out? We'll find My out. My goodness, is DJ going to be FaceTiming for you? Like, is it going to yeah, be like streaming? Yeah. Like, yo, check he, it out. I asked him. Um, so there's three rounds in which the presidents like choose uh, what we call an executive order, which changes <laughs> the game. So mm -hmm. I want to know what they pick because they vary from like the extremely like Jesus like type of executive order where mm -hmm. like the president is like is like, oh, my goodness, you're like the best person ever to the demonic like <laughs> to the president mm -hmm. is doing something that just screws over everybody like it's just horrible and so um it's gonna be interesting to see what players pick and the repercussions of the, those decisions too and some would argue that you know if you're gonna make a healthy executive order in mm -hmm. the fallen world mm -hmm. uh the order will will have to be uh to a very large degree um not christ-like right <laughs> <laughs> so 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 if you if you have this Hobbesian perspective, mm. um, referencing Thomas Hobbes, who wrote uh, his famous work called *The Leviathan*. Mm. He had a he had a pessimistic perspective on human nature. He had a, a negative um, philosophical anthropology. He believed that human beings are fundamentally uh, egoists, right? Wow. Uh, self interested uh, livers, right? That we're, we're going to do what we need to do for the sake of the self. Um, and, and, and so for Hobbes, what is needed are strong laws. Uh, I mean, he himself will, will, will speak of a monarch, uh, of a strong king, a, mm -hmm. a, a top heavy government that will keep people in their place. Because if you give a person an inch, they'll take a mile. Right. Mm -hmm. And and if you use a Habesian perspective, the state of nature and, and kind of see that in a global framework, um, every nation, as it were, is for him or herself. Right. Mm -hmm. Each nation is uh, uh, seen as a person, as it were. And and so that self-interested, um, uh, self-motivated or self-interested uh, uh, groups mm -hmm. are going to live in such a way where there will be rampant competition. 
Mm. And and so one needs to do maybe grimy, not so grimy things in order to get ahead, in order to secure one's own power. Mm. Given the fallen conditions of our world, that if you were to, so you know, thinking about the game, if if the president is Christ-like and sacrificial and loving, mm. Mm. Um, that that may cause uh, the team to lose. Right. So, Uh, so, so that would be an interesting dynamic to see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. Um, And will the team be happy with a Christ-like president, right? Mm. A Christ-like leader versus somebody who's more of a Machiavellian, Mm -hmm. like, nah, here's what we got to do. We're trying to win, right? (laughs) Any means necessary, let's get this. How would you feel about a, a leader uh, choosing that more Machiavellian approach rather than a, a sacrificial loving approach? <laughs> What's funny is um, I know of some players who they do not have a full grasp of the rules of this particular game, but they're already planning on on employing that approach. Mm. Like they already, they're already like, I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to convince my team to elect me as their leader. And right, then I'm right. just going to. Right. I'm just gonna take over. There's one executive order in which it's almost like um, it just plays off of how presidents in the United States can appoint their cabinet members. Mm. Like that, once this this person can issue an order in which they can choose the leaders of the other teams for the next round, and like just create this takeover um, and just dominate the game if they choose. Um, mm. So, like, I. Um, I hope that someone does it just to see how I want to see how the uh, human side of the mm-hmm. of the game see how they respond to it mm-hmm. um, because yeah I think it's definitely gonna happen mm. I think it's definitely gonna happen someone is definitely gonna uh, approach approach that game with a Machiavellian style of, of course leadership. of course of course yeah. <laughs> another really interesting. Um, Something that I'm curious to see how it plays out mm-hmm. is uh, in the research and development center. These puzzles are are going to be really difficult, and and it requires cooperation to solve. But um, we're allowing teams to share knowledge. Like they can, let's say my team, uh, I'm on the purple team. You're on the blue team. Right. And let's say I solve the puzzle. Right. I have access to much better uh, nerf blasters because they're like all player. All the teams are starting off with like simple pea shooters that shoot like one bullet. Like if, if a bunch of people are trying to tag you, this gun is not going to you're not going to be able to defend yourself with this little pea shooter. Right. So if you want access to the, the nerf blasters that have um, multiple um, darts in them or like even the, the battery operated ones, you have to yeah. solve these puzzles. Like it's like it's like researching technology um Mm -hmm. during wartime for countries Mm -hmm. so you we're giving teams the option to share that knowledge with other teams um Mm. but like so the approach is do i allow this other team to get access to better nerf blasters or do i stay do i give myself that advantage of having access to these these uh higher pieces of technology right and what would be the incentive of sharing this uh uh information Towards other I, teams. I mean, yeah. If, if I was playing, that? if I <laughs> if I was playing the game, um, and let's say the infected mm-hmm. side, like they're just Bro. doing a great job, oh, and and now it's like there's fifty players on the infected side, right? And there's less and less humans. I would be compelled to share technology so that I my chances. Of, I think my chances of survival are greater if there's more humans in general. There you go. 
um, versus like imagine if uh, there's 80 infected players and it's just me and my team left. Um, I still have to try to survive a um, couple more rounds. So I don't know. I think I think there's incentive to to share yeah, technology under it, certain conditions. Definitely for sure. And and yeah. of course, and there's some beautiful lessons that come out of that. Yeah, the, the boundary conditions force a sort of ped pedagogical awareness. Mm -hmm. So all of this is a teaching method uh, that that's that's encouraging folks to to really think beyond themselves, as it were. Yeah, and, I mean, and, go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just gonna say, like, my my hope for the game first and foremost is mm -hmm. just that that players have fun and they create these memorable experiences with one another. That's right. like my first priority. Right. But also, like, in addition to that, that players engage in this type of critical thinking um, within the context of the game, but it also makes them think uh, about these things outside of the game um, and uh, apply some of these ideas to the to the real world um, once this retreat is over and they, they just go back to their lives. And, and so why would you call this game or games period media or a form of media? Like, how mm -hmm. would you define media? So I know that's something that you're interested in, you're, you, you know, mm -hmm. you, you have interest in and whatnot. Yeah. Um, great question. I Media to me, it's a term that I have used loosely because I think um, it, it has evolved so much and I call, like, I just think it's, it's, there are so many things out in the world today that can be considered media, right. but it's, it's like the, I don't know, I guess I would call media this, <laughs> an object for consumption in a way, like this piece of art or this piece of form, uh, that is meant to be consumed, uh, by a person <laughs> and games to me are a form of media because, um, the artist or the designer, uh, strategically formed something uh, meant for consumption and it employs the senses and it's also um, an abstraction of reality. I'm not presenting something to you and saying that this is reality. It's just, it's meant for consumption for whether it's entertainment purposes or educational purposes. Um, so, I mean, that was my super loose definition of, of media. I like, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. So I then Thank would you. follow up with the question of, um, would you, would you see liturgy? That is the mm. work of the people within the context of the church as a form of media. Mm. When a person goes to receive the body and the blood of Christ. Yeah. Uh, in one sense, depending on, on one's, uh, uh, uh theology around the Eucharist, you, you would mm -hmm. say like, no, this is literally the body and the blood of Christ. Mm -hmm. But even in a sort of transubstantiatory perspective, mm -hmm. uh, we receive the body and blood through the forms of the elements, right? Through, it's still bread and, and, and wine or grape juice yeah. as we're taking it in into mm -hmm. our senses, mm -hmm. but it is it has undergone a true transformation. At the mm -hmm. ontological level, that is, this is literally the body. This is truly, really, and truly the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. So, would you see, for instance, the Eucharist or baptism or uh, worship, standing up, raising one's hands as a mm -hmm. form of media? Mm -hmm. So, I uh, wow, you made me. Uh, I recently attended a mass at an Episcopalian church for mm -hmm. the first time ever, and that was. Uh, 
such a different experience for me, especially just growing up in, in a non-denominational uh, context. Yeah. Yeah. And experiencing the Eucharist in that setting for me did make me rethink of, uh, it made me think differently about liturgy. Hmm. And I think in the, to answer your question, I think that there's something unique that happens in liturgy that um, to call it media might be a misnomer. Because I, I think I think in the case of liturgy, especially as a follower of Christ and as a believer, I think that it's like liturgy is a synthesis of the finite and the infinite kind of coming together. Mm. So it, in the case of of communion, um, well I think said. thank you. I, I think that there's a I don't know. Yeah, like I, I just think that the the infinite reality, like the world of of God and Christ and 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 heaven, it kind of, it comes down on earth for that moment. Mm. And it's, it's, I, um, I'm not sure if, if I believe that the bread and the cup, like physically become the body of Christ or mm. the blood of Christ. But I, I don't know. I feel something in my spirit. Like when I engage in communion, there's a, there's a sort of introspection and, and a connection that I, that I have with my maker when I partake in communion. It, it's just, it's a humbling experience. Um, I haven't really like, that's such a great question, Joe. Like, thank you for asking that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got, we got a week. It was a follow up uh, episode on that. Yeah, on, absolutely. On media li liturgy and, mm -hmm, and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, but I think it, it's calling liturgy media. It's not exactly, it's not, it's not completely false though like mm -hmm. there is there are some similarities between media and liturgy that i agree are are worth exploring mm. um but i just i would have to think about that some more but i, I yeah. do think that there's something different about liturgy um, right with how it engages in the infinite Amazing. yeah I, yeah it's it's um it's a really really uh really interesting question